Coming to you from the lab where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Key. And this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody? And welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I talk with the executive director of Faster Colorado and take a deeper look at how to harden our schools and protect our nation's children. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. And as always, I cannot start the show without the big man across the table. My co-host, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, what's going on? You're done. Ben said last night, you can't call me Big Keith. I don't give a shit. It's my show. (laughs) When I'm in his place, I abide by his rules. When I'm in my place, my rules. That's funny. Sorry, Ben. That's funny. I'm doing well, man. I'm feeling good. I was good spending time with those guys last night. Felt good. I was shooting good, so that made me happy. Had a great, I don't know, like I said, we were joking last night. I guess I'm better off one-handed. You are. Like I said, if anyone ever attacks you, just shoot yourself in the arm and, and go one-handed, man. You're, you're better that way. Well, I don't think I have to shoot myself in the arm. I didn't have to shoot myself in the arm last night That's to shoot true. very well. That's true. That's true. So... It is actually my anniversary today. Get out of town. It you're is, here with I, me? I, well, you did it on your anniversary. That's true. So I, I felt it was only fair. Are you going to give a happy anniversary to your wife and a little kissy sound? I am sound? not. I've been thinking about it all day. I will not do that. <laughs> Sorry. I almost played yours instead. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, happy anniversary, first and foremost. Thank you. I, I was, we do have I, very good wives, by the way. Yeah. They let us like rock this. and roll like this instead of spending time well, with them. Well, I always try the, uh, the excuse of, you know, really every day is our anniversary. <laughs> and that passed the class <laughs> okay. last time, so maybe you could try well, it. Well, we had no one to watch our kids, so we weren't doing anything. Anymore. Oh, got so it. So that kind of kind of it's kind of middle of the week too. We're gonna go out tomorrow night for dinner. So okay, all right, yeah. So anyway, we're gonna get into this thing. Uh, let's start off with uh, our friends over at Target Sports. So when it comes to buying ammunition. You need to look for a product that is accurate, reliable, and if possible, reasonable in price. New Republic ammunition from Target Sports USA checks all three of those boxes and comes in six popular calibers. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at targetsportsusa.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases. It makes you eligible for their truck giveaway in September, which this is like, the, it's you're well, we in September it. right now with this episode. So. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is pre a little pre-recorded, but I know we got a call scheduled with them to talk about the truck and talk yep. about what's going on that day and we'll be where, there. where we're going to be. Exactly. <laughs> and I want to I throw this out again. I know you said it last on the last episode that we did, but... Uh, we just took the class with OFT and that's all I shot was new Republic. I, I had no problems. It was great. Yeah. And, uh, I actually shot a little pre stuff with, um, for some content creation and, uh, and ran that too. And man, it's been the cheapest, you know, 45 ammo that I can find. It, it is definitely, it is the cheapest anywhere that I've looked online. Yep. And like I said, you can't knock the reliability. So it's all good. And uh, if you guys I was, are out, I was sorry. kind of a little disappointed that I couldn't grab my brass last night to reload, but you should have taken that big old bucket and just walked out the door. I thought that. about it. I was like, well, I could do some nine too. <laughs> I actually asked. They're like, oh yeah, they recycle it. I'm sure yeah. they do. So anyway, if you guys are out there and you're looking to support us and look to become more of a member of our tribe here, follow us on Instagram. And I have a little bit of change in course here. Uh, not that we won't put content on Facebook. Usually it mirrors our Instagram, but I am no longer going to be super active on Facebook. Um, going dark? I'm going Twitter, man. I don't even want to say Twitter. I'm going X. Well, you're going dark on Facebook and you're going on X. Yes. So okay. I've not really pushed Twitter too much. And I'm just going to say this. I 
I really am trying to make a pivot here. Uh, I'm still with Instagram, but it is only a matter of time. We have to, we have to, as a community, go somewhere where we are more wanted. And I feel that Twitter is a better home. So if you are out there and you are following us on Instagram, if you are out there and you are on Twitter, if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter. It is the place, it is the future for the Second Amendment community, in my opinion. And I and I really want to start putting more content. It will not be the old school just tweets. It's going to be videos. It is going to be photos. It is going to be much more content than just tweets. So I not to go down the rabbit hole, but you think X is going to stick? He's never not succeeded at a pro at a thing he's tried. Well, I should say never. I, yeah. I don't know his full background, but he's very successful at taking <clears throat> things and and making them work. And I think that I think that the fact that he's trying to make it more of a like all one-stop shop. I mean, I, I like that concept. He's not just sticking to tweets. He's trying to make it where you can shop on it. You can do multiple things. It's going to be like the Tappan Zee Bridge. Even though they changed the name to Mario Cuomo Bridge, it's always going to be the Tappan Oh, Zee you Bridge. mean is the name going to yeah. stick? Oh, I got you. Yeah, That's right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I probably shouldn't. That's okay. Um, it'll probably be like Twitter, Twitter X, X Twitter, Twitter X. you know, <laughs> if people will use them interchangeably. That's yeah. what it'll be. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. So I do want to get to our interview, but before we do, tonight's interview is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. 4Patriots provide long-lasting and delicious food options that are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it most. Keith and I have put their food through extensive taste testing. I thought you were going to say Keith and I have put their food in our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and we were really impressed with it. It's delicious. It's nutritious. Comes at a great value. Head over to 4Patriots.com. Make sure that when the time comes... For your family to be prepared for the worst, you have their stuff. You know, and they don't—they don't just sell food. They are all kinds oh, of generators. They, they got all kinds of cool stuff on they there. They really do. And guys, it gets better than that. Be sure to get your ten percent off anything you order with our discount code Gun Experiment Ten. So, we're going to get into this thing today. Our guest today appears regularly in Colorado and national media, as well as the occasional blog. She's a political media strategist and the author of the book, Government Ruins Nearly Everything, Reclaiming Social Issues from the Uncivil Servants. She is currently the executive director of Faster Colorado. Please welcome Laura Carno to the show. How you doing, Laura? Doing great. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate um, get, getting introduced to you by uh, Charlie from Writing Shotgun with Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Charlie's an old friend. We've been he's in his awesome. stage coach many times. Yeah. yeah. Well, we actually the coach once, but he's been in studio with us. Well, he borrowed my coach. That's true. <laughs> Technically, he did drive your coach. That's true. Uh, so how did, how did you uh, enjoy that experience? Uh, it was very interesting. I've known Charlie, gosh, I don't know, six or seven years from the Gun Rights Policy Conference. And uh, I followed him on social media and I said, hey, man, when are you coming out to Colorado? And so he had a wedding out here uh, not too long ago. And um, so I helped to connect him with some other uh, 2A people in Colorado. And uh, but, yeah, it was really interesting. I, I like the I like long formats because it really allows you to get into conversations that are difficult to do on a three minute hit on yeah. network news. He and I am so surprised. Like I'm always shocked at how much that guy gets around. Like, yeah, you you say, "Hey, Charlie, when are you coming to Colorado?" Oh, I actually have a wedding out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. He likes he likes definitely traveling and moving and grooving, which is which is really cool. Yeah. Are you going to be at the conference this year? I am not because we have a class um, for new students. Um, you know, we'll talk about what what that means. But 
a, a, a whole class full of um, new school employees who um, this coming fall will be, it will be their first year caring on campus. And I never like to miss one of our um, classes that has new students in it. So sadly, I'm going to miss gun rights policy conference this okay, year. Gotcha. So I admittedly don't know a whole lot about Faster and, and in particular Faster Colorado, right? From what I understand, it's national, but you are the director of Colorado's branch, correct? Yeah. So it's it started in Ohio with Faster Saves Lives in the days following Sandy Hook. And uh, in 2016, I went back to Ohio and saw one of their classes and came back to Colorado, a changed person, and uh, uh, put my nose nose to the grindstone. In 2017, we had our first class here in Colorado. And so we operate completely independently. Um, we're currently a project of uh, Denver um, Free Market Think Tank Independence Institute. And because we've grown so big, we've kind of outgrown the umbrella there. So we're working on um, you know, establishing our own um, organization. It'll be called Faster Colorado, but um, no longer associated with any other any other group. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's gone crazy. We've we've trained over three hundred people um, going into this training year. So lots of lots of children protected out there in Colorado as a result of our training. That's awesome. So again, I said I, I don't know a whole lot about the program itself. I mean, a little bit from my research, but could you tell us and the listeners more about specifically what you're doing? I know the goal is to to protect school children, uh, but how, in fact, are you doing that? Yeah, and so let me place this in context around the country because I know your listeners are all over the place. So there are 32 states currently that have some sort of a lawful process for um, school employees to be able to carry a concealed firearm on campus. Um, Colorado is one of those states. We've had that law for about 18 years. Um, and they have to get their training. Um, so, some states, the training requirements are written into statute. And in some states like ours, there's no training requirements written into statute. But your insurance company says if you're going to do this, you have to get training. So what we do at Faster Colorado is we provide their annual training um, that, that meets, it actually exceeds the uh, insurance company's requirements. And um, they get obviously lots of training in between, but we provide that annual training that has the test at the end, which is the same qualification that law enforcement goes through every year and what they need to pass in handgun proficiency to get out of the academy. So it helps the public feel like the, you know, a sense of comfort that this isn't just plinking in the backyard. This is a very rigorous um, curriculum that, and they have to pass at a hundred percent that same post uh, it's called post qualification here in Colorado, which stands for peace officer standard standards and training. So they have to pass that same test and we actually add two shots to it. So it's a, um, a harder test to pass. I uh, heard you mentioning one, one-handed shooting. So um, support hand, one-handed only are the two shots that we added and they have to pass it 100%. So it's very rigorous. Our instructors are all active duty law enforcement instructors. So same stuff cops learn, same places they learn it, same tests they pass. So a couple of things here. Sure. We live in New York. So we are in a very, very anti-gun state. It is lawful though for an employee of a um, educational facility to carry a firearm with permission from the district. Right. Okay. So I have long said, first of all, I should start by saying 
I have loved ones who are in the uh, education system that that work in the education system, and we've had this conversation. Um, many of them are actually, I would say, for for the teaching profession, I would say, especially in New York, they're fairly pro Second Amendment. And we've had this conversation. And what I've said is, if I were in your ranks and I were a teacher, I would feel comfortable enough to to carry, you know, as long as it didn't interfere with my my job and what I do as as a teacher. And people have said, well, you know, but what if this? What if that? And I said, you know, what makes you uh, equipped to do that? And what I've always said is, you know, call it what you want to call it, but I will do whatever program I need to do. If you want me to take the same qualifications that a police officer takes in terms of the shooting part, obviously I don't need to know the the other parts of their job. Right. I'd, I would be glad to do that. And so I think the fact that that is in place, right? I've, I've always said like call it a century program or call it whatever you want to call it. But the fact that that is in place, that you are making them on par with law enforcement in that aspect is a very, very smart decision. And I think that that really should put a lot of people's minds at ease because uh, wh- why not? Right. Like if it's good, as long as they've met those requirements, they are, we let police in the, in the school as resource officers. So why wouldn't we allow staff to do that? So now is this just for teachers? So it's for any school employee. So the, the way the law is written in Colorado is you have to be a school employee. Um, what's interesting is whenever you hear the media talking about these sorts of policies around the country, they always say armed teachers, and I'll, I'll just dispel some myths about that. So um, what we've seen in Colorado and what they've seen in Ohio, about 40% of the people who come through the program are actually teachers, meaning they are, you know, at, at any given time in the day, they are responsible for a group of children in one room. Um, the other 60% are not teachers. And, you know, for, your, your listeners are very um, well aware of what that means from a tactical standpoint that you could have, you have probably more armed people who are not stationary in one place. Um, it might be the janitor, it might be a coach, it might be a lunch lady, it might be a principal. They could really kind of be anywhere in the school as opposed to just secured to, to one um, classroom. But I really think that when, when members of the media or the, the groups, the professional groups that oppose this policy when they say armed teachers, I think they're they're trying to tap into, um, you know, sort of a, a Americans' memories of oh, I remember Mrs. So and So, she was four hundred years old, <laughs> or I re- I remember right. Miss So and So, she was like she was 22. an alien. Yeah, they. I I think they're they're almost purposely trying to get us to call to mind somebody who we Sh- we shouldn't be we wouldn't think of as a as a gun owner, right. Well, what I always run into when I have these conversations with, like I said, relatives and loved ones is, you know, one of my relatives made a funny joke. It was like, I have a teacher that I work with and I don't trust them with the eraser half the time. And I was like, that's kind of funny. I said, you know what? But that's not the person that should be doing this. Right. And they Precisely. probably, and they probably wouldn't pass that, that program. And, you know, it's, it's really just about making sure that we make our schools safer. It doesn't mean that every person has to participate or it's mandatory. Those are are not the things that we're, we're looking to do here. Yeah, absolutely. And and I hear that same thing sometimes with a stapler as opposed to a racer. <laughs> but but um, the another part that folks might be missing if they're not paying a whole lot of attention to, to how these things work is when a school decides, and in Colorado, it sounds like similar to New York, the school board has to say, we're going to have this policy here. Um, 
then they have to go through a rigorous vetting process. The school board works with the administration on what their vetting process is going to look like, what sort of interviews, if they're going to have any further background checks than what they had to pass to be able to teach students in a school. Um, they, they have this whole process. Um, so they have to pass the school vetting. Then they come to the, those who pass that. And by the way, as you mentioned, these are volunteers. Nobody is ever requiring anyone to do this. Um, then they come to our, our class and we've got in, in our, our first level with them, we have three solid days of mindset, medical. Um, we talk about lethal force and the law. Um, we see them on the range a whole bunch. We see them in um, non-lethal situations in the simulator room and force on force scenarios. So our instructors, again, these are guys that teach cops and have, have their radar up big time for are these the right people for the job? These are the same people who, who can also say, okay, I know they've been vetted, but do I have a concern here? And, you know, in our seven years teaching, we've only had two people that we had concerns about after they passed the school vetting that caused myself and our lead instructor to have a conversation with the superintendent and say, here were our observations. Um, we are not recommending that this person um, carry a gun in school. It's up to them, obviously, but we um, you know, document and make very clear if we saw things that concerned us. So, so it's not just any, anybody who, who wants to do it. There are lots of steps they go through. I, we, you talked, you mentioned earlier that there are which the 32 states that uh, ha, have laws that allow this. 34 states, 34, to my knowledge, yeah. Which is awesome. Um, of course, there should be 50. Um, what's the best approach, though, to introduce this concept to, to like our local schools? Do, you know, do, I don't know, do we just show up to a board meeting and bring it up? Or do we go through the superintendent's office? You know, how, how do we, how do we talk about bringing a program like this to our, to a local yeah. school district? You know, I, I'd say yes. And all the, all of the above. Um, <laughs> so in, in a district, in a, in a situation like yours and mine, where the, the school board needs to make the decision, um, I always like to remind parents that, um, school board members want to be elected and they want to be reelected. Um, school board candidates want to be elected and it's up to parents, parentheses, also voters, um, to make it very clear to these school board members that, you know, I will be, I will be casting my vote if you're a candidate or casting my vote for your reelection based on your answers to my questions about security. And, and, um, I suggest to parents, you know, I, I think if you want to get a yes or a no answer, feel free to ask if they're in favor of armed staff or not. Um, but I, I prefer a little bit more qualitative questions because I, I really want to understand, um, you know, some, some school board members or candidates don't really know that much about the policy if, if their district isn't involved in it. And so, you know, ask qualitative questions like, what are the school's plans? If God forbid somebody comes in to try and shoot students and staff, what is the school's plan to keep my child alive? Um, it is everything on the table. Are you willing to consider every policy? Um, because I do like to leave room for That's a good question. You know, not a lot of people know about these policies. Um, but if somebody is very much opposed to this, you know, are you willing to leave everything on the table? Um, many people, and I, I hear back from a lot of parents on this, many candidates or school board members will say, we'll do everything up to arming teachers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay, that's well, interesting. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Because I think the people who are strongly opposed to it know where they stand. The people who are like, let me, I, let me learn more about this. 
um, might say, you know, I, I want to look at everything on the table. They, they get, you can just get a better feel. And it feels, I think, a little less confrontational as well to your elected officials and your candidates. All of that is, is very good advice, but I'm talking first off, everything I've read, I've heard in the news, which obviously we know we can't trust everything we hear in the news. <clears throat> I'm talking somewhat anecdotally with just conversations that I've had, but I feel as though arming school staff in general seems to be an extremely divisive topic. And obviously, and we'll get to this a little later, just the second amendment in general is kind of there and our country is sort of just divided right now. So it's not like it's just this topic, but when it comes to the topic that we're talking about today, it is definitely divisive. I even know people personally who are conservative and pro-gun and gun owners who have made arguments as to why they don't want armed staff in schools. Um, you know, I've heard the whole thing, what if, what if a kid, kid takes the gun? What if, you know, a gun falls out of a holster? And, not, and I know the answer in terms of <laughs> retention holsters, things like that. But how, how do we get this to be less divisive in terms of exactly what you said, which is, are you willing to explore all options? And I certainly think that having a more hardened school is the best option. But how do we make someone who's just, you know, that that sweet woman or that sweet guy that just, they love their kids and the idea of guns being all around. I had a guy, again, this is sort of anecdotal anecdotal in, in what I'm about to say, but I had a guy, this is over social media and I was talking about this topic and saying how we need to, <laughs> we need to, you know, fortify our schools. Like it's good enough for all these other places, but not our schools. And this guy was like, he got very emotional in his response. I don't want my kid going to prison. And I went to a, I'm in Texas and I went to my kid's school and it was, you know, there were AR 15s walking around and it felt like I was in a, in a, you know, a prison camp. And we had a very respectful conversation, but he just, and this was a, a pro gun guy. This is a guy who's on, you know, on my sites that is talking about his guns and his firearms and his training and all this stuff. He just couldn't bear the thought of his kid being in a school where there was an AR-15. That like blew his mind that it felt too militant, too, you know, too hardened for his liking. And so how do we how do we sort of soften the blow here and let people realize that this is not a scary thing, that it's a good thing that we're protecting our kids in this way? Yeah, and it's it's so interesting. And I'll I'll give you an answer that kind of spans the last seven years that I've been involved in this. Um, seven years ago, I would have said, yes, this is probably the most divisive thing I could ever talk about, even among Second Amendment topics. And it, and in the last seven years, in this, you know, this is because there was um, Parkland and um, Uvalde and STEM school and Arapaho High School and all, all these all these different shootings that have happened. Shake the different shootings in schools shake different people loose differently. So while I agree with you that I have, um, I know people in the conservative community, program community, who don't think it is safe to have armed school employees. Um, typically, if we spend some time together, they understand the rigor. Um, most of them can be brought around. Um, but they're also on that side could be people like in the law enforcement community that that believe that if you are a member of law enforcement, and this is a minority of, of law enforcement in my experience, if you are a member of law enforcement, you are cut from different cloth than ordinary armed citizens and that ordinary armed citizens don't have the right 
um, mindset, which I completely disagree with. But that's what I see on that side uh, with conservatives and program people who have an issue with the policy. The thing that surprised me, though, was, um, and, and again, different shootings um, shake different people loose, are the number of people who say, I can't talk to any of my girlfriends about this that I'm talking to and I want to advocate for this policy because I hate guns. But for God's sake, I want my son coming home alive every day. Um, and so to me, it's very interesting how some people in the middle or even on the left on the, you know, quote unquote, don't believe in guns side are like, but in the right hands, they can protect my child. Right. Right. And, and, and one of the things that's um, so interesting in, in the last couple of things that have happened here in Colorado, uh, Denver public school district, uh, had some, uh, two administrators who were frisking a student who was known to carry guns on campus. They were unarmed administrators frisking a student and they both got shot. They, they lived thankfully. Um, but this has really created a lot of interesting conversation here in Colorado. And what so many parents have brought up is the Denver public school board meetings are protected by armed guards. Why are armed guards okay for you and not for our children in school? Uh, because Denver public schools had also taken out school resource officers. So, so it's, it's, it's really, it's almost getting less divisive as time goes on. And, and it, I couldn't have predicted it seven years ago when I started this. So, you know, we talk about the divisiveness of the second amendment in general and, and on this particular topic, but you know, I, I, I have a couple times thought of this, uh, let's call it a devil's advocate kind of approach of why are no politicians that are pro-gun trying to trying trying to take the Second Amendment out of the political scene altogether? It's not political. It shouldn't be politicized, right? Like right. it's 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 a it's a right. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat, Independent, Republican. Another. It, it, I just why hasn't a politician just said, you know what, what my stance is on the Second Amendment doesn't really matter. Laura, if tell me if this is sort of accurate, but I feel like both sides, like we're, we're used to saying like the, the, the right are the good guys in this case and the left are, you know, the left are the ones that are against it. But I feel as though both sides like the fact that it's divisive because it allows more, it allows them to bring well, people in their camp, right? Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not talking about those politicians that like it being divisive. I'm talking about, you know, a, a, a new, you know, a, a politician that understands, truly understands the second amendment. Like there, there are, they are out there. <laughs> Do they exist, Laura? What do you think? Yeah, they do. Yeah, and, and I'll and I'll give you an example. We have a, a recent in November. We had an election, and in my neighboring county here in Colorado, Douglas County, they elected a new sheriff, and his name is Darren Weekly. He um, and he's a Republican. Okay. He campaigned on um, making sure that schools were hard targets, making sure that the school district um, had armed school employees yep. um, who could protect children. He has a daughter who was in one of the Douglas County high schools during a shooting in a different on a different Douglas County campus. <clears throat> and as a dad, he, it, it hit him in the heart. He was in a meeting. There was, you know, all hell breaks loose because there's a school shooting. And um, he said, what school we don't, you know, whoever told him didn't know what school he said in that moment as a father, I didn't care who 
was armed in that school to protect my child. I just wanted her protected. Yeah. And so I think there are um, elected officials like Darren, I should call him Sheriff Weekly, um, who, who, um, who can break through the, the political rhetoric and just speak as a father to other people who it, we've had so many dang school shootings here in Colorado and um, you know, the Aurora theater shooting. And like, we, we can't get numb to this here. Everybody knows somebody who knows somebody. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, you, you have to tap into um, the heart of other people because, you know, even if you are a dyed in the wool um, Democrat moms demand action activists, if the question is, if something terrible happens at your kid's school, do you want him to come home alive at the end of the day? Do you want him to be protected? Yeah. It doesn't matter your politics. Every mom, every dad wants their child home alive. And so I, I thought it was very interesting how um, Darren Weekly tapped into sort of that. I'm just talking parent to parent. And he has come to speak to our level one classes um, to tell them why as a member of law enforcement, he supports this so so strongly. And 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 so, you know, I, I think it depends on the 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 skill set, the emotional intelligence of of the elected official, because there are some people out there, and I know you know these these people too, who say it is my Second Amendment right to do this, and so we should have the right to do that. Well, that is true, but the people who understand that are already they already get it. Um, and you have to figure out a way to to talk to the other people. Yeah, and I and that's sort of I think the way that I want to try to start talking about it is it's not a political thing. It's a, right. you don't under, if if you don't really feel like you want to invoke your right to self protect, that's, that's totally okay. Yeah. But you have to understand that it is a right in this country. And, and I, 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 I want to try to start taking it from that approach instead of like, Oh, you're a Republican. Are you pro gun? Or right. like, that's right. not it. It's interesting because, and, and I always kind of fall into that left versus right sort of mentality as well. I think I think we all do, right? We've kind of been conditioned to it to an extent. But yeah. Like I, I know one person in particular, and he happens to be much more liberal, but that's not pertinent in this case. But what I always say is uh, very often the people I encounter who are more liberal in their political views, I would say they're like such really good hearted people. And I, and I, I was talking to my father one day about this and I said, they're really good hearted people and they really want this perfect world. And so <laughs> to them, to the people that I know, like this one guy I'm thinking of, he, in his mind, cops can have guns because they're trained and they're, they're, they're almost like this mythical figure to him yep. and they can do no wrong because they have that badge, but anybody else couldn't possibly do what they do. Right, he almost like doesn't put them in the category of human. Yeah, and so to him, it's like he puts them in a little box and goes, "They're good, and they can have it, and everybody else can." Right. And he just wants the world to be this perfect place. And I've said to him, to what your to your point, do you want your kids to come? Like, do, would you do anything to protect your kids if your kids were in danger? And I said, I can save them right now, but I don't have that badge. Would you say, no, 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 you don't have the badge, you can't do it? And he's like, well, of course not. And I said, why can't you see that this is an option? And he just he reverts right back to the the badge thing. He he can't yeah. he he can't break out of that compartmentalization. It's it's very narrow sighted. But uh, I read an article that you wrote recently titled uh, "Happy Birthday, Kendrick uh, Castillo." Yes, and I was not familiar with his heroism, and I wanted our listeners to hear his story. So, would you share it a little bit? 
Oh gosh, yes. And um, if you ever get the opportunity to talk to his father, John, oh, I want um, to. Yeah, John, I will. I will make that that hookup. Um, uh, John and Maria Castillo. Kendrick was their only child, and um, yeah, Kendrick went. He was a senior. He was going to be on his way to his School of Mines. He was a robotics kind of nerdy kid. Um, super smart. Everybody loved him. Um, it was the uh, the a few days before the end of school, and um, he was in his British literature class where they were watching The Princess Bride because of, you know the what are you going to do with seniors at the end of school year? Um, but show them a movie. And Perfect so for, the Brit- for British literature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the lights are all off. Um, there's a room that has um, two doors on um, opposite. Uh, opposite walls. It was a, a, a center aisle, essentially classroom. And um, these two killers, they were students at the school. Two killers entered through um, through both of those doors. Both were armed. Um, one of them went to the front of the class. He had his um, guns in a uh, guitar case, um, opened the guitar case and took one of the guns out and said, nobody bleeping move. And um, with those words hanging in the air, um, Kendrick was up, um, rushed that shooter, pinned him against the wall, um, which gave other students in that classroom time to disarm that one and the other one who had started shooting to disarm the second one. Um, The teacher, Miss Harper, who um, had her concealed carry permit, but was not in a school that was where she was allowed to carry, um, she got into the action and helped out. Um, um, but Kendrick took the fatal shot, um, uh, to his chest and, you know, took out all of those life sustaining organs. Um, I've known John Maria Castillo for, um, several years now. This was by the way, May 7th, 2019. And, um, and so it's, it's been a few years now. Um, but I've known them, I'm going to say maybe three years. Um, so maybe a year after it happened, when you meet John and Maria and you see that they are going out in public on at least a weekly basis, advocating for school security, advocating for closed campuses, advocating for armed staff. um, When you get to know them, you understand how they raised a boy who got up and saved that classroom full of children. It was going, it was going to be like a Uvalde um, because the, the two killers came in and locked the doors from the inside um, they were, you know, lockdown mechanisms to keep bad yeah. guys from coming in. But what if the bad guys are in um, the classroom? But um, I am, as we speak, wearing a Kendrick Castillo wristband. I've worn it since the day I met the Castillos um, because Kendrick is the spirit of what we do at Faster Colorado. No, no child should have to make that decision um, when there's a, an adult who, you know, was probably willing to be trained. She had her concealed carry permit. Um, gr- grownups should be the ones who protect children. Um, but while I, tr- you know, I totally agree with the statement that no child should have to be put in that situation. What a testament to his parents, though, that he had, you know, the wherewithal to 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 do that for himself. Well, I was you know, say, like I, I was going to say, we you know, we talk about the parents, but forget that. Like, I mean, th- it's on him. Like he it's took on the action, him, but, but they I raised the good, young I man, raised though. the good, they raised the good young man to feel that way. And, you know, as a parent, I never want my kids to be in that situation. I don't think any parent would ever say they right. want their kid to be in that situation. But after I read the story, I want my kids to fight for their lives. Like Kendrick did, you know yep. what I mean? Like, 
So, you know, I feel like what he did prompted others to get up and, and help end that day. Such a leader. Really? And, you know, that is what's so amazing about his parents and why, you know, when, when I read what his parents are doing, it really is a testament to the way that they raised him. Like I, I, I can't imagine what they're going through. Without I also right? want to say that a lot of times we, uh, you, if you, if you hadn't said it, if you hadn't said about him being into the robotics and you know, you just had him as kind of like more of a, like a nerdier kid, which, you know, a lot of times we sort of put a certain uh, picture in our head with that. But a lot of times when we, you think of someone taking action, a leader, you know, you think of like, of an athlete, you think of someone like right. maybe, they, maybe they're the captain of of their team or something, and this just goes to show that like leadership is leadership. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what your hobbies are. It doesn't matter what you do in your day to day. If you're a leader, you're a leader, and it's amazing. It's an amazing story in his memory. Yeah, yeah, and and let me give you two other tidbits um, from that classroom. Um, one is that all of the kids that um, got up and helped had familiarity with firearms. Wow. That's an interesting. Um, so, yeah. And so, you know, like you can ask yourself, like, so what does that mean? Is it just they, they, they grew up a different way that made them want to take action that also makes them want to learn how to protect themselves or that their, their parents were like that. Or um, that they but, truly understand what is going on, you know, right? Exactly. Like what a firearm can do and, you know, how it wasn't it, fireworks, right. How it can be. <laughs> how it can be for sport and for fun, but it's also very dangerous as well. Absolutely. You you have two kids walking into a classroom with a guitar case and then opening it up and pointing a forearm. You know, if you have familiarity with guns, you know, pretty quick, this isn't, you know, what's right. You know, this isn't a shooting range, you know? Right. And then the other quick tidbit is um, one of the kids who, and I don't remember which of the shooters he disarmed. It doesn't matter. um, Got the gun dropped the magazine to see what was in it, reseated the magazine and put it in his waistband or pocket or something. And um, during the the interviews in the trial, um, the district attorney said, why did you do that? And this is like a 17 year old kid. Um, why did you do that? And he said, I didn't know if there were other shooters and I might need it. Wow. wow. And, and, and I look back at me at 17, <laughs> what, would I have had that presence of mind? I don't know. Um, so, you know, you're, you're looking at, I mean, certainly Kendrick um, was, is the hero and the one we speak of as a hero, but there were lots of um, other acts of heroism in that. Room. Yeah. Well, and I think again, to what Keith had said earlier, I think it's more about the wherewithal and you're talking about uh, kids who clearly were raised around guns. In some cases, they understand how they work and uh, maybe a little bit more situational awareness Yep. Well, and what really called it out to me was, you know, I'm not going to sit here, right? Like, I just kind of yeah. felt like I put, and I, I can't put myself in that moment, but like, what was he thinking in his head in that split second, right? Reaction time. He didn't have a lot of time. And he said, I'm not going to sit here. Right. I don't think you think, I think you just act in that yeah, case. Which, you know, it's, which it's is, just, it's, it's wired into you in some way, shape yeah. or form. So. Yeah, and, and one of the interesting things about the, and the school is called STEM school, S-T-E-M. Right, science, technology, engineering, math, math, yeah. And um, one of the interesting things is it's not on the list of of, um, mass school shootings. Right. Because of Kendrick Castillo. Yes. And and so I I feel like it's kind of up to the rest of us to talk about why it wasn't, why why it's not Parkland, why it's not Uvalde, um, Sandy Hook, those, those names that stick in our head. It's because 
somebody took action and um, stopped the killer. But you know, that that is the sad part too. And thank you for bringing that up because I, that was something I didn't want to forget either is I didn't hear about it. I don't think most people have heard about it. And that is part of an issue, I feel like. We're not hearing the good stuff. We're not hearing about- We're not hearing you know? the, this is how you handle this right. situation. We're not hearing, you need to prepare yourselves for, you know, like I the whole like uh, run, hide, fight, right? It's like, sometimes it's like, fight, 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 not like the others, right? Like sometimes right, you don't have- exactly. Right, I, I think that's missed sometimes in terms of like, it's run, hide, fight, but that's if the other two are options- Exactly. Prior to the fight, right? Like if the fight's the first thing, you shouldn't be thinking, where do I run? Right. right. You, you run right. hide if that's happening in one room and you're three rooms over. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, Laura, we brought you here. Obviously, we really wanted to dig deep with uh, faster. But as I was researching for the show and learning a little bit about you, I couldn't help but read a lot about your opinions on government. And I know that's not really you know what we want to talk about here today. But one thing that you and I completely agree on is that more government is never the answer. <laughs> and uh, you've led some incredible movements, including a recall election campaign in Colorado. Do you think it's possible to create nationwide campaigns like you have done in Colorado? And if so, how do you think that, how do you think we go about that? Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. You need, if there are, if there was a recall campaign going on in Missouri or somewhere that's not New York or Colorado, you would need a person who is crazy enough to do the hard work for very little money, put their name, face, and voice out there, take the slings and arrows, get the death threats, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It is not, you, you have to have very thick skin to do those kind of things. And I think it also helps um, to, uh, to have a way of talking to people that connects with folks that are kind of apolitical on gun issues, for example, in that case of the recall. Um, we talked about the, the, the line in my radio and TV commercials when we did that, that recall of, of this sitting Senate president at the time. Um, the, one of my lines was, if guns aren't for you, don't own one, but don't you dare tell me how to defend myself. And it just became this, this kind of rallying cry for even for non-gun people are like, yeah, why is that guy telling that lady how to defend herself? Like it, it kind of hit people, especially women, like, hey, that's not right. Why is he telling her how to defend herself? And so, that, but there's language out there that doesn't have to include what part of shall not be infringed, don't you understand? Um, we, have to, we have to get better. We have to have more people who feel very comfortable talking about our Second Amendment freedoms or any freedoms for that matter in a way that non-political people can understand. Yeah, I I have had a ongoing debate for years with a friend who we don't see eye to eye on the Second Amendment. Well, I shouldn't say that. He, he thinks people should have the right to guns. Uh, his solutions are you should have a gun that can hold one cartridge uh, you know, things that are like ridiculous. Uh, but you know, he's like, no, you could have a gun, but like, why not just like a, an air rifle? Why isn't that good enough? You know, like he, he has no sense of reality in terms of guns, knows nothing about them. And at one point I finally said to him, what makes you think you have the right to tell me as a grown man with a wife and children, how I should defend them? Why do you think that you or the government or the governor or the mayor or the police chief, what makes you think anyone has the right to tell me what I think is best in terms of defending my family from 
someone who might want to do them harm. And it was the one time where he literally had no rebuttal. He's like, I, mm-hmm. I guess I, I can't really tell you how you should defend your family. Right. This isn't a country where there are different classes of people and one class can lord over the other ones. We are created equal to our government officials. They're not our bosses. They're, they're not the king. Um, they're, they're not some special magical class of people who get to tell us this. I think your, your question to, to that friend was absolutely perfect. There, no, nobody has the right to tell that, uh, to make that decision for other people. Well, and the other part about this is <clears throat> that when these laws are put in place and we're in New York, so we know all about laws or anti-gun laws, I should say <laughs> <laughs> that when they are put in place, if somebody were a good upstanding citizen, but refused to be disarmed, we'll put it that way. What harm are they causing as long as they aren't causing harm? Right. It's only, it's only when someone chooses to take action that said harm happens. And so usually the one who does that and is preemptive in terms of a strike are criminals who we know aren't going to actually follow those laws anyway. So right. it's just an interesting, it's interesting that, you know, uh, I mean, we, we can go down this rabbit hole really, really deep, but it's never the uh, person with good intentions that we're worried about. And so right. it's just, to your point, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that it's fair for anyone to, to ask someone to disarm themselves, right? Yep. Yeah. Ask Ask Australia how they feel about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did read a response that you had given somebody uh, that was inquiring about one of your books, and it was whether it was a good book for a college course. And in your response, you had said that you encourage uh, readers to give their politicians permission to stop fixing things. And I just I couldn't <laughs> help but laugh. Like I was just like, that's great, you know. But uh, would you expand a little bit on that? Can you give me some examples sure. of like what things you think they should stop fixing? Sure. Everything. And, and, and that's and that's where the whole the whole title of the book, Government Ruins Nearly Everything, came from. If if you have if there's something that you wake up every morning with, oh my gosh, there's this thing that's wrong. I mean, for some of my friends, it's the abortion issue. They wake up every morning wanting to reduce the number of abortions out there. Why would you turn any of this stuff over to the government to fix? Yeah. I mean, they, have a, they have a really crappy track record of fixing things yet. And, you know, I, I know a lot of elected officials because I you know have kind of worked in and around them. Um, and the first thing that happens when somebody's running for office, well, what are you going to do when you get to office? And and, and everybody has, because they kind of have to, it's expected, this proactive list of all of the things that need to get fixed. And and I believe in people like like us and your, your listeners, I believe in our ability to solve problems better than government solves problems. The free market yeah. always solves the problem absolutely, better. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I... I, I do. I, I am glad you brought that line up because I haven't thought of it in a while. But I do. I do really love it. Um, when you're talking to um, to politicians, to candidates, say, "I'm going to give you permission to go go to the state capitol and not fix anything. There's nothing. <laughs> there's there's nothing that needs that needs fixing. What you could look at are the laws that previous um, that your predecessors have passed." when they were trying to fix things and it made it worse, yeah. I give you permission to repeal those things because that is the, that's the pattern over and over again. It, I, There's a perceived problem, um, a, a solution. It's not enough. They double down on it. It's not enough. And 
and you know we we see what happens at the end of that story. I, I've mentioned this on the show before, but you you might not have heard me say it. I probably have not heard me say it. But have you ever read Ben Franklin's last Constitutional Convention speech? Um, not in a long time. It's awesome, and it really is talking about this. You know, okay. it's kind of like, and I because I'm almost going to say they didn't. Oh, they weren't. Government wasn't always bad at fixing things. It's just right. gotten really bad at fixing things over the last hundred years. <laughs> and, you know, um, he sort of, in this last Constitutional Convention speech, he he said, listen, this is, as, and I'm paraphrasing, this is as good as it's going to get, and it will last about as, it'll last about 250 years, and then it'll be corrupt by absolute power. <laughs> and it's like, how did you know that was going to happen? <laughs> because it's, because the more hands you get in the pie, the, the muck, you know, the mercury yeah. the waters are going to get. And, I, I, I almost would like to see, like, back when they first started, you know, the Constitution, the amount of representation was based on population, and that sort of have, has halted for a while. Right. Like, I'm almost like, let's go back to that, because there would be so many politicians that nothing would get done. You yeah, know, it would be- Nothing would be better than what they're doing. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I, I knew someone who his job wanted to negotiate away uh, health benefits, and of course, most employees were like, you know, are you kidding me? Like, no. And they were like fighting back, right? And this one guy, I know he's a younger guy and hadn't been working at this job too long. And he says, and I said, how's that whole thing going? And he's like, oh, you know, it's so, so messed up. He's like, they're fighting back and forth. He goes, I wish that they would just get rid of the, the benefit. And I'm like, wait, you want to get rid of the benefit? I'm like, you don't want health insurance? And he goes, I'd rather get more money in my pocket because socialized medicine's coming eventually and I would rather have the money now so that when that happens, and I, I looked at him, I go, when has the government ever touched anything and made it better? Talk can, to people in, can, Canada, in socialized can, medicine. Yeah, can you give me an example of where they've made anything better? And right. I said, and I'll wait, you come up with something. And he just stared at me and I was like, you can't, can you? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not that political. And I'm like, what well, you should maybe get a little more political. Maybe you should learn a little bit about that. Yeah. So. Well, and, and there actually is a case to be made um, for you have that benefits money, health benefits money put back in your paycheck and then you go shop on the, on the open yeah. market. Yeah. Against free get, market. And, and get better. Yeah. And, and get, you know, better service, better quality at a better price. That, and it, yeah. And I'd also, make, I'd also make the, the case, this will never happen, but um, to stop withholding. And so everybody writes the, the tax man, the, the full check um, at the end of the year or in April um, for everything they're paying. And I think uh, things would change very quickly. Yeah. I think the cost of, uh, if, if you open the, the, health insurance up free market, I think the cost of it would go down pretty quick. Significantly, <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, I do want to move on to our next segment, but before we do, where are some places that folks can find you and, and everything that you guys are doing? Um, they can find me at fastercolorado.com and lauracarno.com. Awesome. Sounds good. So um, like I said, I want to get to run and gun, but before we do, I want to talk about our friends over at Ridgeline Defense. Ridgeline is one of the nation's premier training facilities and offers programs based on proven tactics and real world experience. Their highly trained staff specializes in pistol, carbine, precision rifle, breaching, sniper operations, and low visibility force protection. If you're looking to take your skills to the next level, you found your new training partner. Go check them out at ridgelineshooting.com. Laura, I talked to you a little bit, explain what Running Gun is. Keith does time this. It is a timed event, and you could take home the title today if you're fast enough. 
Okay. All right. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? I carry Glock 43 on a daily basis. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Uh, another Shadow Systems. If you could have a drink with one person living or dead, who would it be? Ronald Reagan. Favorite caliber? Nine. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Gardening. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Mind reading. All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained? Armed. Is it better to be loved or feared? Feared. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? <sighs> I'm going to go with Quinn Cunningham. Let's mix it up. That was so fast. And there was one hang up. The the, uh, the president, or uh, who would you like to have a drink with? But pretty good. I yeah. mean, he's she's right behind Jared Reston, who was, you know, top four. Wow. Uh, so she's now in top number, five. Top five. Wow. 45.45 seconds. Very, very impressive. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I like, I mean, I'm top 10, I'm happy with. Yeah. Well, I, well, you're top five. And I can tell you, I've done this, we've been doing this for three years. And a lot of people, I, I always say, first thing that comes to your mind, and a lot of people just cannot do it. So very, very <laughs> impressive and uh, really good mental prowess on your part. You, you could, you, you, if you sped up on a couple, you could have had it. Yep. So uh, we're going to do Let's Mix It Up. Uh, Let's Mix It Up is brought to us by Flatline Fiber Co. today. Flatline makes everything from slings to dump pouches to their brand new IFAC pouch. We recently did a thorough review of their IFAC and we were super, super impressed. It carries everything you need in, your, in a small and manageable size. I highly recommend checking out all of their handmade products at flatlinefiberco.com. But to get an even better deal, make sure you use our discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10 at checkout to get 10% off. On this episode of Let's Mix It Up, we are going to take a deeper look at how to harden our schools and protect our school children. So uh, obviously, we've already talked about the idea of uh, good guys having firearms, uh, whether that be resource officers, whether that be armed staff in your in the situation which you guys are trying to do. Um, I, I think that if you can add that deterrent and that force multiplier, I think that's always a good thing. But you mentioned a few other things in, in the course of the interview. One of them was mindset. So let's start off with that. What is the mindset that schools, and by the way, this could really, it, we say schools, but this could really apply to any institution, any you know anywhere where we need to kind of add some security to protect folks. But what is the mindset component of this that you guys try to change? Yeah, so it's interesting because we um, enhance mindsets that are already there. The difference between going onto a campus that's armed and a campus that is uh, has their head in the sand is night and day. The armed schools know what comes at the end of that, and if God forbid something happens, what they would um, wh what they would need to do, and nobody wants to do it. So the mindset of not only are they not going to get into my school to harm my children, they're not going to get in my parking lot to harm my children. So you see. Um, perimeter patrols. Um, it, frequently, I'll go to an armed school and um, somebody meets me in the parking lot at my car, an adult uh, meets me in the parking lot at my car because I am unknown there. Um, it, so that mindset of it's not happening to my kids on my watch, um, I'm going to do absolutely everything to make sure that evil does not come onto this campus. 
Um, you mentioned the deterrent effect. We are seeing more and more of these huge, you know, six foot, eight foot, 10 foot signs in parking lots that say such and such school district has armed staff and we will do whatever it takes to protect our yeah, children. Yeah, I think that's very so good. So th- those are amazing deterrents. And if you're, so I know a lot of the times in these shootings, it's uh, prior students who, you know, who have come back to do harm, things like that. I, you know, it's proven time and time again that when there are two choices and one of them is hardened with armed security or, you know, any any type of armed um, facility, that they go the other direction. That's, I mean, that's like very, very well documented. Yep. Most um, recently at Coventry Christian School in Nashville. Yep. Yes. Um, that that the the killer had mapped out another one, but said that it was too secure. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're not dealing with people who are, you know, they are cowards. That's why. That's why they're doing what they're doing. So they don't want to take the the hard road here. Uh, they they don't want to take the road that's going to stop their plan. So that's the one part of this. And <clears throat> you also had mentioned the medical training. And this is one that's interesting to me because if we take if we take the the scary firearms part of this out, right? Mm. Like we you know we know that there's people who they just can't stomach that. But if we take that part out, why are we not training every single person in every single school, every single facility? Why are we not giving them uh, TCCC? type training, training that is, you know... Uh, um, I mean, look at the education they have to go through. I mean, it's no, it would be nothing to add yeah. that to the list. Why is that not part of a health <laughs> class? Let every kid know how to how to, how to to use a tourniquet, how to, how to wound pack. Even every yeah. teacher. Right. I'm just saying, though, like, what, like, think about how many more lives can be saved if, you know, let's say you take a, a school that has 800 students and then you have another, you know, X amount of staff, whatever that is. I mean, you're talking, you could have close to 1,000 people who know how to how to apply medical training? Why would you not want that, right? Yeah, like that's the you're, kind of stuff that blows my mind. Yeah, you're exactly right, and and I think it's a little bit of you, know, you mentioned your friend in Texas who said I, I don't want to I don't want to see a, a hardened school. I don't want it to feel like a prison. There are a lot of people who don't want to believe that our country has come to this, right, and. Um, I don't want to learn how to do bleeding control because then that's going to make me admit that there could be something like this that happens um, that I would, I would have to get called, you know, pressed into service for, and they're, they're almost in denial or they are so significantly saddened by the fact that that's where our country is today. They don't want to deal with it. That was actually part of his statement. Part of his statement was like, I, like he couldn't, he said almost those words. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to believe that my, that I have to send my kid to a school that has those, those things in place. But what's interesting, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking about this part of the, of the show. And I was thinking about the idea that we are at this point in our country's history where this is a reality. It's very, it's a very sad reality, but what is the the long-term fix of this, if there is a long-term fix? And to some people, that long-term fix is take away all the guns, right? Which is just, when you think about the num- sheer number of guns, it is just a insurmountable task. Um, but if we look at the other things here, right? So if we look at, and I know these are like sort of like talking points and I don't like doing that, but yes, mental health is an issue, right? Uh, Yes, I think in my in my opinion, Keith, I think you'll agree with this. There was this sort of societal shift in our values, right? Yes. 
and uh, there's new parts of our elements of our world, such as social media and technology and cell phones mm -hmm. that we don't want to, we, we really don't want to say that these things could have that kind of an impact, but our world has shifted. And the way that you shift it back is you start to address these issues and go, okay, maybe we need to explore all these other things and start to apply some things to those. And in the meantime, we're going to make sure that our schools, that our, our facilities are safe while we figure these things out. Exactly. It's, it's both and. Um, and I'll, I'll leave the, the other societal issues to people more um, skilled and experienced and interested in those, in digging into those. Because I think there are um, dozens, if not hundreds of, of um, different um, societal issues that have changed. Uh, my friend Evan Todd, a Columbine survivor, um, looks at it this way, and he's a, a supporter of what we do at Faster. Um, he he says it's it's like cancer. You're going to do everything you can to prevent cancer, but once the cancer is in your body, you got to cut it out. And so um, he, he um, analogizes that to, of course, we want to do everything we can to prevent school shootings. Um, all of them, everything needs to be on the table. And when the shooter is in your school killing people, he has to be stopped. And I, I just have always liked that, um, that analogy because it makes sense to so many people that you, you don't, it, when the cancer's in your body, you don't, you, you don't say, well, let me just do all the prevention things. No, you say, get this thing out of my body. Mm -hmm. um, you, um, the, pre the prevention can only go so far. When it's in your body, you have to change your tactic. So when you're teaching this faster program, right? To, um, you're, you talked about exceeding the fire, uh, the police training by a couple shots, which mm -hmm. I think is very good. Um, I all, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about that police standard. And is it enough? Yeah. So here's where the school boards come in. So our instructors will tell you, and by the way, the who has my back besides my husband, Quinn Cunningham, he's our lead instructor. He's, he's uh, an amazing human. Um, um, he says consistently to our classes, to panel um, audiences, to panels we're on, that the average uh, person who comes through faster does more firearms training in the course of a year than the average law member of law yeah. enforcement. Um, and, and here's why. Number one, they're, they're already in the school. They're, um, they're not only um, fighting to save children if something happened, they're fighting for their own lives. You know, right. think about those two teachers in Uvalde. Um, so, so, um, but, so you've got a different mindset. Um, a lot of cops got into law enforcement, not because they're gun guys. That's just a, a part of the job. the job, but they got into it for whatever other reasons. Armed school employees, um, volunteered for this because they want to save lives. So it's a, it's a little bit different focus. And the other thing is the school boards, the school boards say, go to faster for your annual training. And then um, you have to dry fire twice a week. You have to go to the range uh, once a month. You have to have drills in the school once a quarter, cool. at least two, at least two of those have to be with law enforcement. And that makes me really excited to hear that because, and I, you know, I, I sort of asked the question tongue in cheek a little bit because you know, we have often uh, commented on the fact that we shoot 
I don't know, a hundred times more than our average, average. than our average right. police officer. It's, really, it's always an you unfair know? thing because they got, there are some cops out there that are like really into the the, sure. the, the culture. And but like they're, they're not shooting on police dime. They're shooting on their on own their dime. Their own dime, right. And that's yeah. a shame that the police, that that's all the police have to do. Have and, to do and, and, and that, that their departments aren't encouraging more. And I, and I know we're talking about, you know, a hardening schools and what's the best way to do it. But I bring it up because we we talked in this conversation about how, you know, Mike, you have a friend who, if you have that badge, you, you're you this mythical creature right. and they don't even shoot that much. Right. And, well, the, you know, the, the, these school boards are probably like, oh, you're going beyond the standards of a police officer. That's great. Well, the standards are pretty freaking low. You we, know? Had, yeah. we, had a, we had a guest on a long time ago. I actually don't remember who it was, but I remember the statement and we were talking about training and like how much training is like, you know, is, is enough and like how much training do you need to really be? And since then we've had dozens and dozens of guests and talked about training. And, but what that person said was, I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people out there who just pick up a gun and kill people all the time. Meaning like <laughs> bad guys just grab a gun. And that was just Pincus, wasn't it? Made, it? That seems familiar to me. And I'm like, that's a pretty good point. And so my, where I'm, where I'm saying that is, I think like that once a year qual for police is probably like, yeah, it'll, it'll do the job, but like, do you really want to just do the job? Like we're talking right. about professionals, yeah, right? And when we're talking about armed citizens, I, same thing, like, yeah, like maybe, maybe just having that gun that's on your, in your uh, closet that, you know, you don't ever pull out, like, yeah, maybe it'll be enough, but do you really want to rely on maybe it'll be enough? Like, is that exactly. what you're, is that what you're going well, with? It's, it's just so interesting. And, you know, you know, we have armed resource officers in every one of our schools in our district, which, you know, we advocate for, we're, you know, we're very happy about Big that. Components of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we've even joked that we would be happy to have our taxes increase for another one. Sure thing. Put two in every school, That's you know, right. <laughs> I, and we would love to have, you know, uh, the ability to be able to have teachers who want to volunteer to do this. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how that would go, but again, the point of it is, is, is it's interesting to try to get people to take away this, this mystical feeling of you have to be trained like a police officer. Right. Like they're really not trained that well, right? you know? Right. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way for any of the police officers that listen to the show or anything like that. You know, we, th we think you're not supported enough to get the training yes, you should be you getting. You should be getting. You yeah. deserve more training on company dime taxpayer dime. I'm a taxpayer. I can say that you deserve more training on our dime and you're not getting it. Yes. And that's a shame. And you, and you have to look at um, all of the other things that law encortment is burdened with that is outside of firearms. That's training. true. Yep. The, that's true. The, the amount, and, and especially today, about, right? De-escalation yes. training. Is, you know, yes. <laughs> all of that stuff and the sensitivity training and the, just all, all the stuff that, that they are burdened with that may or may not make them better at their jobs um, where, you know, some of That's the stuff I've point. seen, I'm like, I think we should just double their firearms training and take that thing away. You know? yeah. Well, I'm a big proponent. Like this is, I'm talking um, in my own personal life. I love training, right? So if like, I didn't have a, a job, if I didn't have like, you know, if I just had nothing, but like someone was like, Hey, we're just going to send you for all kinds of training. I would take it all. Yeah, I mean, you name it and I'll take it, right? Like I just love to learn and learn new skills. Keith and I have talked about, you know, neither of us has a garden, but I'd love to learn more about growing vegetables. Yeah, right? Laura like, said that. I was like, hey, Laura. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, come on out. <laughs> yeah, I just love to learn new skill sets. So it's sort of weird to me when people don't find it interesting to learn right. new things. I just wish that our 
teachers, our school staff. I, I wish that that more people would get on board with the idea that they can be a very valuable asset and that the sheer number of people in a school, if you were to give them the resources, they could really, really do make a difference in stopping these things. What, what do we think about metal detectors in all, in all schools? Yeah, so that's one of the things that a lot of people come up with. Um, I'm not a huge fan, and here's why. Um, it, it Unless you have it um, full-time um, manned by somebody who's armed, um, it's it's easily breachable. Right. Um, it, it works at the airport because everything else is secured. Um, but what we've seen often is, you know, they can't get in through the front door because there's, you know, some sort of security or some sort of monitoring or something. And so somebody leaves a, a door propped or a, a window propped open in the back of the school and comes in that way. So I think to some extent, they are a, um, a false sense of security. And the other thing I don't like is something that causes big lines of children um, standing mm. outside of school. So. Yeah, that's a good point. So talking about propping open doors and things like that, you know, should it be mandatory to have every door on some sort of alarm that if it's not yeah, completely I, closed? It, if I yeah. could actually piggyback on that really quick, Keith. So I'm thinking of this in terms of like schools, like levels, like- Like an onion. Like, not like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lord, that's an ongoing joke. Um, okay. not, not like an onion, uh, like on an elementary level. So in elementary schools, I feel like it's very easy to be like, everybody comes in this this door, this door is sort of like fortified because little kids will really do what you tell them. If you tell right. little kids, don't open a door to a stranger, like they will not open a door <laughs> to anybody that is not like their teacher, right? But if you go to high school, high school kids, like they don't think that way. They're like, oh, well, it's my friend, you know, like I'm just gonna let me, it was I know my, him. It was he my goes friend, to I know school. him. Yeah, he goes here. Oh, I know that teacher. That teacher's always in the building. Yeah. Um, kids, high school kids are much more like, they're more conscious of like social, like, oh man, if I don't let that person in, are they going to think that like, I hate them? Like there's much more like social pressure where little kids just do what they're told. Yeah. Um, my so, little kids don't do this. So, <laughs> not <to> you. <laughs> Other people, they do pretty well. Yeah. So, uh, Keith asked that question. That was one of my things was like, how do we sort of, um, make it more, make kids more aware of the fact that high school kids of the fact that they have to be more cognizant of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what goes on inside every school. And um, I'll tell you as a, as somebody who goes on to a lot of campuses and I mentioned, you know, being met in the parking lot and so forth. Um, I have been to some schools where I'm, you know, somebody's going in ahead, a student is going in ahead of me and some, sometimes in other schools, a student will just hold a door open for me. Which is and polite because right. they're polite. So in some of these other schools, back to the mindset, I'm not sure what exactly they're telling them. Um, that would be a good question for me to ask um, to you know kind of understand that a little bit better. But um, I have had students in some of our armed schools where you know, I've gone to do town halls and stuff um, who say, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't hold the door open for you. You're going to have to go over here and sign in. That's also like, polite. Oh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's also polite. Yeah. So there, and, and again, you know, it's, these are, you know, rural schools or classical charter schools where they're probably teaching them a little bit differently than Denver public schools. Yeah. I definitely think, you know, I'm not sure, and maybe you have a comment on this, Laura, but I'm not sure what age it is, but there has to be a point in time, like where you do talk about the dangers of that kind of stuff. And, right. you yeah. know, I mean, we, you have a school assembly, I think 
for every every year when school starts. At least I remember that when I was going to school, yeah. right? You have like a I just beginning think of the year. I, well, so I, like this is a, a personal thing for me. When I was taking my daughter to daycare this past year, a new company had bought them out and they implemented this new, it was like a code at the door and then you went in and there was a code to like sign your kid in and sign your kid out. And it was right near the sign that said no firearms allowed on property, which always made me laugh because the bad guy wasn't <laughs> going to follow the sign. But uh, in the beginning, I would go in and like I would, you know, put my code in and then I would walk in and the door would close behind me. But after a while, it did get very uncomfortable because there'd be like five parents and like, I guess it was more of a time thing. It's like, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to let the door close behind me. And after a while, we all started holding the door for each other because the reality of it is, if I was like, no, don't you follow me in and the guy was going to do harm, he would just do harm and not, and not let the door close. You know what I'm saying? Like it almost didn't well, make sense to not hold the door for the next person because if they were the bad guy, <laughs> they would just grab the door before it closed. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and not to mention if the bad guy knows you know, is a parent and knows right. that and has a code. Right, <laughs> right. That? And so like what I had said to my wife was, this is a silly policy. What they should have done is said, hey, local PD, this is our start time and our end time, our pickup time. We need an armed officer at, at the school at this time to make sure that like, if any, you know, as, as a deterrent, as a presence, that would solve the problem, right? Because now you have somebody there at those important key times when there's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It was never a problem when there was that occasional pickup of one person or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think that things are less likely to happen at that, um, you know, wh where there's a procedure, where there's sign-ins, where there's a right. lot of people. More, more what we've seen in school shootings is, um, you know, somebody goes in, follows the procedure, goes to the classroom, props open a window, props open a door at the end of the hallway mm -hmm. um, and comes back and, you know, accesses it, accesses the school through that open area and brings in their, their bad stuff. The, the yeah. uh, uh, Aurora theater shooter did that. Um, yeah. Went into mm -hmm. the theater, propped it open, um, brought his stuff in through the propped open door. Yeah. The other one that's weird is you look, you watch high schools. I know when we went to high school, Keith, um, dismissal times, like dismissal times are chaotic, right? Like there's just mm -hmm. a ton of buses. There's literally hundreds of high school kids roaming around a parking lot. <laughs> like if you're a bad guy, it's like a really, really, you know, it could be a really bad situation. So yep. it's like, I don't know how you address some of these issues. It's, it's well, really it's, tough. It, it's interesting because I was vision, I was visioning like drop off at, and pick up at, at yeah. our elementary school where our kids go. It's, a disaster. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you're in the middle of the road waiting for right. your turn to get into the school. And I'm almost, you know, I think to your point, Laura, like, I don't think those are traditionally the opportune times when these, you know, bad individuals uh, decide to do these things. Um, but is it, it I mean, is it a more opportune time? I mean, uh, right. I, I hate saying this because it, it sounds terrible. Sometimes you have to think. Yeah. Well, that's you have to say. go. You have to go to a dark place and think. Absolutely. What would someone with ill intent look to do? And I look at these things and I go, "My God, like this is." I look out the let, out let, the window of my car when I'm picking kid up or dropping kid off, and I'm like, "This is not a good situation." Well, let's talk about that for a minute because I think it's as best as you can get. Right? They only let the kids out that they know the, who's picking them up. They ID every person that's picking up. Yep. Now, obviously, they get to know you. They get to know me. They know our cars. Yep. Um, I'm the only one that drives crazy 20-year-old old man cars. <laughs> um, but uh, they don't. They only let the kids out that 
have somebody who's picking them up, right? It's really so, more of a, like I said, it's more of a high school thing where kids are, like our kids were like, okay, walk on the on the path, on the yeah. sidewalk and, and walk in the building. And they, no running. Right. <laughs> but in a, in a high school, you know high school, they're at their cars, they're hanging out, they're they're chasing each other. It's crazy. Like, yeah. that's more what I'm talking Especially about. Especially on the last day of school. Of course. <laughs> Alice Cooper's, yeah, and it, Alice Cooper's playing. <laughs> and I think that if, um, if somebody intended harm um, it, it, at a time like that, would they be more likely or less likely to inflict harm if they had a really good idea that lots of the uh, employees who were outside were armed? All this conversation, like it's good for debate and for like mind exercise, but I was literally going to say, that this is where the only thing that will persuade someone, right, from doing it. I'm going to say it. Is that presence. Open carry. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, I, uh, I I would like to give you one last word here. I'm going to let you have the last word of if you could, what would you envision? What it, What is your ideal perfect situation other than you know, they just magically disappear. But what would you want to see to make this situation as the best it can be? Yeah, you know, um, I would like to see our schools stop being soft targets, whether it's lots of SRO coverage, armed security, um, armed employee coverage, whatever it is, our schools are soft targets. People with ill intent go there because they know they are very unlikely to face um, armed resistance. That's why they go there. Um, the, the lingerie department in, in the department store is better protected than most of our schools. And that is a sad state of affairs. So as soon as our, our schools stop becoming soft targets, when, when schools say, we're not going to take this anymore, we're not going to let our, our children um, go through this stuff in a place where there, it's supposed to be a positive learning environment, that's going to be a dynamic change. The killers will go somewhere else and we can deal with it. We can deal with wherever they go next. But for God's sake, um, harden the schools. Um, they're soft targets and we can't let that go anymore. Very, very well said. Laura, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show and telling us about Faster Colorado. I, I think it goes without saying that we need to protect our innocent children at all costs. Hopes, prayers, and more gun control certainly won't accomplish it, but hardening our schools certainly can. And so I agree with your last statement. I hope more states start to see programs like yours as a proactive way to accomplish this. And I thank you so very much for leading this charge. To everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever you want to call it and Discord so we can keep the conversation going. Laura, thank you so very much for being on the show. Thank you.